right, who's ready to get into the word today? We're going we're gonna to dive in for the next few weeks into the gospel of Matthew, and we're going to look at this concept of gather, grow, and go. Before I dive in, I want to let you know, in your seat back in front of you uh, is a little card like this, and there should be, uh, they should be there at Shaw and at U-City. Um, if you want to take notes today, you've, you've got a little handout, and there should be some pens there for you. Uh, and if you don't have a pen, just ask somebody that looks more organized than you down the row uh, and, and get a pen. Now, but there's pens for you um, if you want to follow along with notes. I really wanted us to get this in our hands today because I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on this for the next few weeks. I'm going to focus on how we gather, how we grow, and how we go according to the gospel of Matthew. Before we get in, I want to I ask you a question this morning. My question is this. How many of you have ever had that uncomfortable moment of being in the middle of doing something only to realize while you're doing it that you did not know how to do it. Anybody ever had, had that experience? You're, maybe for high school or college students, you're in the middle of a math problem. And you're working through this math problem. And at a certain point in the math problem, you just stop and you go, I don't know how to do this. Anybody ever had that happen? We, we, this happens to me relatively frequently, I think because I have an overly optimistic sense of what I'm capable of doing. And... Um, so, so I, the other day I was baking cookies with the kids, and I was in the middle of baking cookies, and that's when I realized, I don't know how to bake cookies. I mean, I don't know what vanilla extract is. I don't, I don't know the difference between baking soda and baking powder. I, I just, I don't know how to do this. But I didn't realize it until I was right in the middle of doing it. Um, maybe for some of you, you, you do a repair at home. You're in the middle of doing a home repair, and you realize, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to give you an example of this from my life. This is an example that I'm just going to give you to, to draw you into this sermon. Uh, but just let me warn you in advance. This is like the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me. Because I was, I was trying to do something only to realize in the middle of it, I did not know what I was doing. I did not know how to do it. And, and here's what it was. When I was in college, I needed a job. And there was a flyer at the fitness center at my school. And the flyer said, job available, aerobics instructor. $11 per hour, which back in the day, that was, I'm like, hey, $11 per hour. And what I thought to myself was, this is a great opportunity for me because, first of all, $11 an hour is a great, you know, it's a good, it's a good, that's a good amount of money back when I was in college. That's a good amount of money, $11 an hour. Plus, it's at school, and I didn't have a car, so I just could ride my bike to school. I was like, hey, that's great. I'll be there anyway, so that'll be great, right? And then the third thing I thought is, and I'll be getting exercise while I'm working. It's just going to be great. What I didn't think about is, I don't know how to do aerobics. I'd never done aerobics before. And here I wanted to apply to be an aerobics instructor. So what I did was I went over to my parents' house and my mom had a, a, a VHS back in the day. An aerobics VHS. It was called Sweating to the Oldies, y'all. So I popped that VHS in the thing and I'm watching on and I've got the remote and I look and these people are jumping around doing aerobics and everything. And I was like, Psh, how, how hard could this be? You know, this does not look hard. Like, they're just jumping around, and, and I'm listening to the instructor, you know, say different things and different moves and grapevine and double grapevine and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay. Okay, I watched it for about five minutes. I'm like, okay, I'm good. So I show up to the interview. Now, this is when I should have known. This is when I should have known that it was not going to go well for me because I thought it was going to be an interview. It, it actually turned out to be an audition. And, and so, so I show up, and... 
I'm just there in some baggy shorts and a t-shirt. Everybody else has got like aerobics outfits on. 1980s or nine? No, these were 90s. Yeah, I'm not gonna make myself that old. Uh, these were uh, 90s aerobics outfits. Like there was some spandex happening. There were some special shoes. And I'm looking at this group of people, and I'm going, man, these people look like they know what they're doing. And so the, the, the interviewer came out and said, okay, here's what we're going to do, everybody. I'm going to turn on some music, and I'm going to call you out by name, each one of you. And you're going to come up, and you're going to lead the group in a session, a mini session of aerobics. And so I said, okay, this is going to get interesting. So the music comes on. I don't know, I can't remember if it was house music. Anyway, the music's on. And, and the, the interviewer calls out and says, okay, Jennifer. So Jennifer runs up to the front of the class and we're all there. And Jennifer starts leading the class in aerobics, you know, calling out all these moves and, and all of this. And I'm in the back of the class. I can't even, I can't even keep up with Jennifer, much less lead the class. So I'm trying to keep up. Michael, Michael runs up. He starts doing stuff. Anyway, it got to my turn. Brent. I come to the front of the class, y'all. The music is playing, and these are all people that want the same job that I want. So they're not trying to help me out, okay? They're waiting for me to lead them in a session of aerobics. But I don't know any aerobics moves. I don't know any, any aerobics words. I don't know anything about aerobics. I don't even know how to dress like aerobics instructors. But I'm standing in front of a group of people trying to lead them. In I couldn't think of anything to say, y'all. So I said this. Here's what I said. Okay, guys. Jumping jacks. And I'm telling you, we did like 150 jumping jacks. And while we're doing jumping jacks, I'm trying to think of the next move. And I'm trying to think, and I can't think of any. And I finally thought of a move. I said, squat thrusts, which is like a wrestling thing that we used to do where you go. That's like a burpee. So we did 200 squats. I could just feel the people that I'm leading looking at me like, dude, you are not getting this job. Finally, I got to where I'm like, I've got to do something. I've got to say something. And I remembered what the person said on the video. And I go, double grapevine, which I don't even know what the double grapevine is. So the whole class starts doing the double grapevine. I, and anyway, I knew what I wanted to do, but in the middle of trying to do it, I realized I do not know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do it. Can I, just, can I just make some assumptions about us today? If you're here today on the first Sunday in January, if you're at the Shaw campus, if you're watching online, if you're in U-City today, you have a desire to do something. You have a desire to follow Jesus in 2024. You have a desire to grow in your faith in 2024. You have a desire to grow spiritually. But the truth is, if we will admit it, a lot of times we know what we want to do, but sometimes we don't know how to do it. Sometimes we just don't know what is the next step. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. But now what? How do I grow? How do I develop in my faith? How do I become a true follower of Jesus in 2024? How do I be conformed to the image of Christ this year? So what I want to do is I don't want to put you in that awkward position that I was in where you're in the middle of trying to be a Christian and don't know how to do it. I'm going to spend the next few weeks in a very practical sermon series about how we follow Jesus more closely according to the gospel of Matthew because in the gospel of Matthew Jesus breaks it down and he says to be a Christian there are three primary things I want you to do and they are gather grow and go they are gather grow and go so what I'm going to do this Sunday 
is I'm going to give you a flyover, a snapshot of what I'm going to be teaching for the next few weeks. Because we're going to dig in to the Gospel of Matthew and see what Jesus has to say, what Jesus wants to teach us about growing in Christ and about being his followers in 2024. So let's start. I'm going to start at the beginning of Matthew, and I'm just going to do a quick summary today. And then next Sunday, we're going to start diving into the deep end, okay? So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 4. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And it says this. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about Jesus spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So let me just, let me just summarize what's happening in Matthew chapter 4. What's happening in Matthew chapter 4 is Jesus is gathering people together. People, people from all around the region are gathering to be in the presence of Christ. They're gathering to be in proximity to Jesus. Number one, if you're taking notes, you've got this on your, note, on your note card. The primary foundational activity for us as followers of Jesus is simply to gather, to gather, to come together. Can I just tell you, if you're here today, you have taken the first step in pursuing Jesus and being transformed into the image of Jesus. The primary foundational activity of followers of Jesus is to come together on a regular basis and to gather in his presence. In fact, the word that Jesus uses in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 16, the, the word that he uses is a Greek word. It's ecclesia, ecclesia. And what that literally means, the word church, this is the word that he uses for church. What that actually means is an assembly. How do you form an assembly? You assemble, right? It's a, an assembly. It's a congregation. Congregation, that means we congregate. It's people called out from the world and to God. So the first primary activity of a follower of Jesus is to gather in the presence of Jesus with the people of Jesus. That's what it means to start to follow Jesus. That's the first act that we do. We begin to follow. Now let me show you three things about what it means to gather. Notice, notice three things about Jesus pulling these people together. First is how often did they gather? Well, we see from the passage that at least weekly, it was at least weekly. How do we know that? Because they were in the synagogue. And in the synagogue, you would gather every Sabbath. So every week, people would come together and, and, and put themselves in the presence of God. They would put themselves in the, in the mind frame of opening their hearts to experience God. So, so my challenge to us in 2024, for all of us, let's gather every week. Amen, somebody? Let, let's come together every week. If you really want to be transformed, consistency is the key to change. And that's going to be true. If you go to the gym this week, it's going to be packed, y'all. If you go to the gym next week, it's going to be less packed. If you go to the gym three months from now, <clears throat> you can get on any machine because there's not going to be hardly anybody there, right? Because people don't understand that consistency is the key to change. So if we want to be transformed, what we do is we put ourselves in the presence of God each and every week. We come together as the people of God in the presence of God and experience the power of God. We, we come together every week. So my challenge is, let's come together in 2024. Now, the second question I want to ask is, who gathered? Answer to that is, everybody gathered. Everyone gathered. Everybody. It said people from all over Syria, people from the Decapolis, people from across the Jordan. That means that Jesus' gatherings were open to everybody. 
They were wide open to anybody and everybody who wanted to come. There were, <clears throat> there were believers. There were non-believers. There were people who didn't know. In, in fact, if you, if you saw it, there were sick people. There were demon-possessed people. Jesus was like, hey, every, everybody can come in. Everybody is welcome. You know, uh, at One Family Church, one of the reasons, if you want to know why we do some of the things we do, why do we have an amazing greeting team out there? Why do we have a crossing guard team? Why do we have a parking team? Why do we have extravagant hospitality? Because we want to signal to the community around us, everybody is welcome. Did you know everybody is welcome? If you brought a friend to church, can I just guarantee you something? When you bring a friend to church, they're not going to be embarrassed. They're not going to be put on the spot. They're not going to be ostracized. It doesn't matter if they're a believer or unbeliever. They could be demon-possessed in the coming. They're going to be welcome at one family. Everyone is welcome. Everybody is welcome. That was, the, that was the second thing. What's the third thing? The third thing is what happened in these meetings. And I'm going to tell you this real quick, and then we'll dive into this next week. Three things happened. Inform, information, inspiration, transformation. That's what happened when people gathered around Jesus. The scripture says that he taught them, right? So he taught, that's, that's information, didache, that's the conveyance of information. And then it says he proclaimed the good news of the gospel. That's inspiration. That's when Jesus was saying, hey, let me, let me just tell you, the kingdom of God is at hand. God is with you. God is here. He's not far away. He's here. That's what he's proclaiming. And then he healed them. He transformed them. You know, when you come to church, you don't have to leave the same way that you came. We, we come damaged. We leave delivered. We can be transformed by the power of God when we come to church, open our hearts to the power of Jesus. We can be changed, changed by the power of Jesus. We were singing about that this morning. He will transform our lives if we put ourselves in his presence, put ourselves proximate to him. I want to give you some fascinating information that I found out this week about the power of simply gathering, the power of gathering at church. This, I'm going to give you two uh, pieces of information, one from the University of Oxford, and one from Harvard University, uh, the, the program on human flourishing. This is from the University of Oxford Press. Listen to this. Regular church attendance, this is from a secular institution. Regular church attendance is associated with lower levels of depression, lower levels of anxiety, hopelessness, and loneliness, and is positively associated with greater longevity, healthier behaviors, better mental health, increased life satisfaction, increased social integration, and increased sense of purpose in life. That's from the University of Oxford, y'all. What, what are they saying? They're saying, you should go to church. <laughs> you should come to church. There's good outcomes. This is from uh, Harvard University. Religious service attendance is associated with greater longevity, less depression, less suicide, less smoking, less substance abuse, better cancer and cardiovascular disease survival, less divorce, greater social support, greater meaning in life, greater life satisfaction, more volunteering, and greater civic engagement. Compared to those who never attend religious services, the studies have found that regular attenders have a 29% reduced risk of depression, 33% re reduced risk of death, 50% re reduced risk of divorce. Amen, somebody? Come to church, it's going to help you. 84% reduced risk of suicide. That's from Harvard University Human Flourishing Project. There is power... In gathering together. You know, we cannot be followers of Jesus if we're isolated. Apostle Paul calls us a body. He says we're a body. And if a piece of the body, a part of the body is cut off from the body, that part of the body stops growing. That part of the body cannot continue to flourish. So, so number one, we gather. Can somebody just say gather? 
We're going to gather in 2024. And notice this. What I love about that passage, it says that when they gathered and they were changed, they went out and started bringing other people. And it said multitudes of people began to gather, right? Because when your life is transformed and you love somebody else, you want their life to be transformed as well. So, so we gather. That's number one. Okay, we're going to jump forward to Matthew chapter 13. I've got Matthew chapter 7 in your handout, um, and I'm, I don't have time to dive into that one. I'm going to give you Matthew 13, but um, take time to read Matthew 7 as well. Uh, Matthew 13 says this. We have it on the screen. Uh, Jesus started teaching a little, a little bit deeper after the, after the initial gatherings. Matthew 13. This is halfway through the gospel. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the, along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed, he said, fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And here's the seed we want to be. Still other seed fell on good soil. Somebody say good soil. Good, good soil is cultivated soil. Good soil is soil that has been nourished. Uh, they fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. And then he says this, whoever has ears, let him hear. Let him hear. Here's what he's saying. He says, first we gather, second we grow. We, we gather, number one, and then number two, we grow. Go ahead and put that on the screen. We, we grow. This is what we do as a, as, a, as, a, as a church. We not only come together to hear the word, but then we start to grow in our living out of the word. We, we move from delivered to discipled. We, we, we start off damaged. We come into the presence of Jesus. He delivers us. He transforms us, but we don't stop there. Now we start to get developed. We start getting discipled. We start getting uh, developed in the kingdom of God. We start to grow. Let me give you an example of that. This is a picture of a place called Death Valley. Death Valley is near the Mojave Desert in eastern California. And let me just tell you, nothing grows in Death Valley. Death Valley is just dead. Now, there's nothing that's growing there. There's just nothing that happens there because the conditions are not right for growth. There's, there's, there's nothing happening in Death Valley. But in 2005, Death Valley got six, inch, six inches of rainfall in, in 2005. In, in 2005, this is what Death Valley looked like. They call it a super bloom. What happened is Death Valley wasn't dead. Death Valley was dormant. There were seeds of potential in Death Valley that were not in the right environment. They were not in the right conditions, and so they could not grow. As a pastor, as a church, at One Family Church, our job is to create an environment, create conditions for you to grow. Because each and every one of you has seeds of potential in you. You might think you're dead, but you're really just dormant. You might think that your spiritual life is just plateaued. And God's saying, no, I've got more for you. I want to see you grow. I want to see you flourish. I want to see you spring up. And I want to put you in environments where you can grow. So what we've done at One Family Church, and it, it, I'm kind of giving you a big overview of, of who we are and, and why we do what we do, but we build environments. We create environments where you can grow spiritually. I'm going to give you four environments that, we're, that, that we've created and that we're running this year. The first one is the environment of prayer and fasting. This is, this is a huge growth opportunity. On February 14th, we are launching 40 days of prayer and fasting. That's, um, for some of you, that's Valentine's Day. For some of you, that's Ash Wednesday. I don't, you know, for, for all of us, we're going to start praying and fasting on February 14th. 
And we're going to spend 40 days from February 14th all the way up to Easter praying and fasting. Why? Because we want to grow. And we grow through prayer and fasting. That's one environment. Another environment that is designed to help you grow is the environment that I talked about earlier. That's the next steps environment. If you're, a, if you're a visitor at One Family Church and you've just been checking it out and you're kind of hanging around thinking like, man, I kind of want to grow spiritually. I want to take the next step. I'm not sure what to do. This is an environment where you can grow. This is an environment where you come and you join the family and you get integrated into the body of Christ and you start to grow in your relationship with God because you make a commitment. You move from consumer to contributor. You start to like pour out instead of being just poured in. And that's how you grow. That's a, that's a great growth opportunity. The third one is our dream team. Dream Team is actually a discipleship ministry. Uh, Dream Team is where you grow spiritually because why? You're using your gifts and talents to serve somebody else to the glory of God. It's, it's, not, it's not just something to do. Dream Team is ministry. When, when people are serving coffee, when people are greeting, when people are running the cameras, when, when, when people are out in the lobby, they're, they're serving God. They're, they're, they're actually using the gifts that God gave them to serve somebody else to the glory of God. It's a spiritual activity. It's an opportunity to grow. The third one, uh, the, sorry, the, the uh, fourth one is life groups. Life groups. I call life groups the greenhouse of spiritual growth because I'm just telling you, you cannot grow if people don't know you and you don't know people. In fact, in fact, when, when, the, when the, uh, the apostles started writing about spiritual growth, a lot of it had to do with coming together. They would come together in small groups. Like in the book of Acts, they would come together weekly, but then they would come together from house to house. It said they would gather in the temple, but then they would come together in house to house. James said, if you want to be healed, you've got to confess your faults one to another. You've got to be known by other people, and you've got to know other people in a spiritual environment in order for you to grow. So my challenge to you in 2024 is I want to challenge you to start taking some of these steps and saying, look, I really want to grow into what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be transformed into his image. And these are the environments where your life, your spiritual life can super bloom, where you can be transformed into the image of Christ because it gives you an opportunity to grow. That's our challenge in 2024. We're going to gather somebody and then we're going to grow. Okay. Now, the third part, and we'll get into this in a couple weeks, but I just want to give you a, a snapshot of it, is Matthew 28. This was at the end of Jesus' ministry. He had, start, he had started with gathering people, crowds together, for information, inspiration, transformation. Then he started to encourage them to grow. In fact, if you look on the, the, the passage that's on your handout, that's Matthew 7. And Jesus says, here's how you grow. You've got to do what I've told you. He said, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of it. Those that do the words of, of God, their house will be built on a firm foundation so that when the storms of life come, they won't be blown over. So, so he says, we're going to gather, then we're going to grow. But then in Matthew 28, this is at the very end of his ministry. He had, already, he had already been killed, buried, resurrected, was about to ascend into heaven. And he says this. He says this in Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, somebody say, say it with me. Therefore, go. We gather, we grow, we go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. This is my favorite part. I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's saying, you don't have to do this alone. You're not going to do this on your own strength. 
I'm, I'm here with you. The power of the Holy Spirit is upon you and within you. I'm going to help you gather. I'm going to help you grow. And then number three is I'm going to help you go. I'm going to help you move from, I'm going to help you move from, from, from being delivered to I'm going to help you get developed and discipled to I'm going to help you get deployed into the ministry. I'm going to help you move out and do what God has called you to do. Let, let, me, just, let me just tell you this. This is my personal experience. 20 years ago, 20 years ago this year was the, was the first time as an adult that I walked into a church. 20 years ago. My father had just passed, uh, he hadn't passed yet. He, w- he had been uh, diagnosed with a terminal illness. And I knew, I said, I need something. I need, I need something. I, I need to go and, and, and be around the people of God. And I, I slipped into the back of a church service like this one. I came and just slipped in the back. Nobody knew me. It was in Southern California. I loved that they dimmed the lights during worship because <laughs> nobody could see me. And I came in and I began to experience the presence of God. And over the next months and, and weeks and months and, and years, God began to move on my heart. And I ultimately, he moved me from damaged to delivered. He transformed my heart. I was in bad shape, y'all. I was in spiritually bad shape. And God said, I'm going to deliver this child. I'm going to bring this child into my kingdom. And he brought me into his kingdom. And, and I moved from damaged to delivered. But then that wasn't the end. Over, over time, the, the, you know, I started popping my head up at the church. And, and you know, at the church, if, you, if they start to see you around, they're going to start saying, hey, let's grow you. Right? Somebody came to me and said, you want to be an usher? And I became an usher. At that time, I was at a church where I was like the youngest by about 30 years. Amen, somebody. And I was just ushering. I was just, I was the usher. I loved ushering. But then I, we, we, Rebecca and I got together and, and we, we started attending a church and they said, hey, do you want to, you guys want to lead a life group? And we started leading life groups in my apartment. We started leading life groups of, of young adults coming together. God was growing us. Uh, they asked Rebecca, they said, do you want to, do you want to be the head of the children's program? And she said, as long as I can bring my assistant. And, um, so then I was in the children's program, y'all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so God, God was growing me in all kinds of ways. I was, I was literally her assistant in the children's program. I was like running copies and stuff. And th- then we were at a church that was so desperate. They asked me to be on the worship team. Amen. Sister, uh, sister Shay. Um, yeah, they did. I played guitar on the worship team. In other words, God was growing me. Uh, there were some groans in the congregation, but there was growth in my soul. Amen. So bye. Um, God, God was, was raising me up. And, and for me, ultimately, God said, I want to deploy you into, into vocational ministry. And, and, you know, all these years later, God has, has put me in, in this position. Now, does that mean that God wants all of us to be pastors or missionaries? That's not it at all. Please do not hear that. God wants to deploy you in the field where he's called you. He, he wants to deploy you in the education field. He wants to deploy you, deploy you in, the, in the arts and entertainment field. He wants to deploy you in your, your ability to do music. He wants to deploy you in, your, in the legal field or in the business field or the educational field or the medical field. Or, or You know, you can be deployed mopping floors, somebody. Did you know that? You, you, can, you can bring honor to God waiting tables. God will deploy you wherever you are if you're open and willing to receive God's power, to be transformed by it, to be developed and discipled, and then to be deployed into his kingdom. I'm, gonna, I'm about to close in just a minute. I'm going to give you four practical ways to be deployed. Are you ready? Number one, write this down. Here's the easiest one. Invite a friend to church. Invite a friend to church. In most of the surveys that have been conducted recently, about 70% of people, unchurched people, say, 
I would be willing to go to church if somebody asked me. Did you know that? About 70% of people who don't go to church say, yeah, but I don't go to church. But if somebody asks me, if a friend or family member, not a stranger, it's got to be a friend or family member. If a friend or fa- family member asked me, I would go. About 80 or 85% of people that come to church come on an invitation or recommendation from a friend or family member. Did you know you can just be deployed by, by going up to a colleague at work or a colleague, ex- a friend at school and saying, hey, I'm going to church this Sunday. Hey, I'm going to youth group this Sunday. You want to come with me? 70% of them are going to say yes, all right? That's how, that's how I came to church. Somebody said, why don't you? Actually, they said, you need to go to church is what they said to me. Um, but but let, me in, let me just challenge you. 2024, bring a friend to church. Bring somebody to church. Number two, a way to be deployed at One Family Church is lead a life group. Come out on Saturday. Get some lunch with Barry. At the, at the, we'll be at the U-City campus, the second floor, up in the second floor, and learn how to lead a, a life group. This is an opportunity for you to be deployed into the ministry. It was one of the best things that Rebecca and I did when we were growing Christians, when we were young Christians. We led a life group. We, we did, actually, we led two life groups. We did a video-based life group, and then we did a, a Mere Christianity C.S. Lewis life group. And it was incredible. All these young people started to come together, and we were praying together and, and reading the word together and growing in Christ. So let, let me challenge you. Don't, I mean, I was barely a Christian when I started leading a life group. Um, let, let me just encourage you. You don't have to be a theologian. You just have to be somebody that's open to be, being trained and being willing to open your life once a week and invite three, you know, two, three, four people into your life. And whatever you already do, do that, but bring Jesus into it. All right? And bring some people into it, and you can lead a life group. Number three, if you're a young adult, my challenge to you is attend life in faith. We, uh, Drew Chrisman, some of you know Drew. He's the newest, um, one of the newest staff members at One Family Church. In fact, y'all, he's at home today with his wife, Mosley, and their brand new baby, Everest. Can we hear it for Drew Chrisman and Mosley? So awesome. That was such a um, weak sauce clap. Can we just give baby Everest a better round of applause than that? Um, and he launched a, a ministry called Life and Faith for 18 to 29-year-olds. And it has been incredible. They've had over 50 students come through it. Uh, you get leadership, education, and development. You get spiritual development. You get hands-on training. They all jump on the dream team. They're serving somewhere. We've got interns coming on board as a result of that. It's an absolutely transformative experience. Uh, you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. That's number three. The fourth way to be deployed is simply to give, to be a giver. Um, and I, I told you a couple weeks ago that I would tell you today about the results of our Beyond campaign. Um, Because this church, and I'm just going to tell you, I have never been in an environment in my life where the people see the vision so clearly and are so generous towards pursuing the mission of deploying the gospel, being ambassadors for Christ, spreading the gospel of Jesus around the world than this church right here. This church is incredible. Let me just give you this. I'm going to tell you two pieces of information. We launched an initiative two and a half years ago called Beyond. You remember that? Two and a half years, about two and a half years ago. It was was near the end of, I'm terrible with dates, near the end of 2021. And we started started that initiative uh, and we had a goal. You remember what the goal was? The goal was to raise $5 million. Put that goal on there. That was our goal. We had a goal to raise $5 million because we were buying the Tivoli. We were renovating the Tivoli. We wanted to pay down some of the Shaw campus. We wanted to, to expand our ministries. We wanted to hire staff. We wanted to pour more money out the door to our partners, our outreach partners, and our missions partners. That was our goal, $5 million. 
Do you want to know what came in, y'all, from the Beyond Initiative? Do you want to know? Because I'm not going to tell you if you don't want to know. So our goal was $5 million. Our goal was $5 million. Remember, right? You want to know what came in? <laughs> I got an email this week from Carol Cloud because I said, what's the total? I want the right number. Give me the digits. Here's what came in, y'all. $6,314,795. At, at the beginning of that initiative, we said, we believe that God is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or imagine. Remember that? I, I got to tell you, as your pastor of One Family Church, I am not some epic visionary that goes, oh, man, I can see God doing $6 million. I was like, man, maybe we should just trim it back to three. You know, I, that's me. God is able to do above and beyond all that we ever ask or imagine. Do you know it? In 2023 alone, when the final check clears, we will have given away about $300,000 to our ministry partners and our missions agencies around the world. Let me just tell you what this is doing. Let me talk about, you want to talk about deploying? This is what's happening. We're sponsoring a group called A Seat at the Table. They're, they provide mentoring and housing for young adults. We're supporting Avenues Counseling and Crossroad Counseling. They provide Christian mental health care no matter whether people can pay or not. In fact, they have offices at both of our campuses, and they're available to anybody who needs them. We're supporting the Carver Project, InterVarsity Crew, and Reform University Fellowship. They're serving college students all around St. Louis with the gospel of Jesus. We're supporting science for the church. They're cultivating a stronger church through meaningful dialogue with science. St. Louis Reconciliation Network, bringing racial, racial reconciliation to our city. New Covenant Legal Services, providing legal services to individuals on fixed and limited incomes. Birthright, providing confidential counseling and support for the women uh, who have unplanned pregnancies. The FAM, eliminating the racial gap in home ownership throughout St. Louis in one generation. In Excelsis, helping the homeless and displaced achieve self-reliance. South City Community School, providing quality Christian education in the city. Stepping into the light, our brothers who are watching right now, assisting homeless men overcome addiction. Kakiri Junior School, serving local children in Uganda. Partners in Southeast Asia, bringing the gospel to unreached people groups. And World Vision Ghana, supporting hundreds of children in Ghana by providing access to clean water, access to health care, quality education, and economic improvement. Y'all, we are being deployed into the ministry. We are going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature in word and in deed. Here's the move for us in 2024. Here's the move for you. If you want to know how to do it, this is how we do it. We go from gather to grow to go. And when we do that, this is what happens to us. We go from delivered to developed to deployed. We, we come in the room and God delivers us. Thank you, Jesus. I'm delivered in my own sinful state. Whatever state I'm in, I'm welcome here. And I come in and God changes my heart. But then he starts to disciple me and develop me. He starts to train me and intern me. I start to grow in my faith. And then he says, I'm going to send you out into the fields. Because the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. And God's saying to somebody today, I want to see you grow all the way into what I have for you in 2024. And this is what happened to the church. This is what happened to the church. My last scripture. After Jesus' ministry where he brought them in to gather and grow and, and go. This is what happened. Acts chapter 2. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everybody was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anybody who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And watch, and, and watch this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Church, can I just tell you, there is no limit. There is no limit to what God will do through a group of people who say, we want to go with you, Jesus. We want to follow you, Jesus. We want, to, we want to do what you've called us to do. We want to become who you've called us to become, not only individually, but collectively as a church. There is no limit to what God will do through a group, a group of people who say, we will gather, we will grow, and we will go. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for the power of your spirit that is not only with us, but also in us. You are transforming us, God, into the image of your son. My prayer, my sincere prayer for each and every one of us today, God, is that we would be reminded how to live this life that you've called us to live. That we would commit ourselves in 2024 to gathering together, to being transformed by the power of your presence, to growing in you, to growing in discipleship to growing in, in ministry development, and Father, into going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature, to being deployed into the fields, to, being, to, 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 being, to bringing in the harvest, Lord God. I pray that each and every one of us today, Lord God, would open our hearts, open our lives to you. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen.